You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I am Ryan. Force Friends Rewatch is a podcast where we discuss Star Wars television shows. We're currently covering Star Wars Rebels. But before we get into that, Ryan has a question for us. I do. Hit me with it. A somewhat wise man once said, Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side. If you lived a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away... What blaster would be at your side? What is your favorite of the many sidearms and rifles and such in the Star Wars universe? That's tough. That is a very good question. I'm definitely not Googling the name of the blaster that I would want. Of course. (laughs) Because I'm a Star Wars expert and I know everything. Absolutely. That's what loving Star Wars is all about. It's not about enjoying the saga and its characters. It's about knowing everything and asserting that you do on the internet. Knowing that minuscule trivia. (laughs) So according to Wikipedia, the name of this blaster is the S5 Heavy Blaster Pistol. You can see that in the Phantom Menace uh, Uh. by the Naboo. Uh, I think Captain Panaka uses this one quite a bit. And it's just real classy looking. Is that the one with the brown handle? Yeah. Like the wooden. Okay. I like that one. I really love the the aesthetics of the prequels. I, I think that's one thing that they really knocked out of the park were a lot of the costumes oh, yeah. and designs. And Naboo in particular is real elegant and beautiful. And I love this blaster pistol. Yes. No, Naboo is, is possibly one of the strongest and most well-defined aesthetic schemes in the saga. I mean, and that is that is a good example of fine Naboo engineering. <laughs> yep. What would my favorite be? I, I honestly, I have to go back to the DL44, Han Solo's trusty, uh, I mean, it's got an iconic sound to it. It's a good blaster, man, from Cham Syndulla to Han Solo. It is at the side of every respectable outlaw in the universe. It is definitely... A classic, for sure. You know, it's a weird bit of Star Wars trivia I just learned this week. So on my personal social media, I do this uh, countdown to the next Star Wars movie, where every day is like a number, like whatever number of days it is, there's an image of something in Star Wars that relates to that number. Sure. Like when it was 100 days till Rise of Skywalker, it was a... uh or 101 days, it was IG-101, the Magna Guard, like that sort of thing. Yeah. And I was looking for something for 57 days, and I found out that Luke's DL-44, or so I thought, in The Empire Strikes Back, is not a DL-44 at all. It is a Model 57. It's from some trading card, and I've always called it a DL-44, and... Yeah, that's you know, what I like we, was. 
Yeah, no, it's and the only difference I think is that it has a stormtrooper blaster uh, E11 scope instead of the usual scope. But hmm. I, I guess I have to hand in my fan card because I didn't know that minuscule trivia. Right. <laughs> if I could pick a second blaster, it'd be either of Beckett's. Oh yeah. Those are beautiful. You have a beautiful set of those, don't you? I do. They were very fun to uh, to craft and paint. Um, yes. I'm blanking on the the guy who I got them from, but uh, I tag him in every time I post them. So I mean, look at my cosplay. You'll you'll find the guy I got them from. <laughs> you make a fantastic Beckett. Thank you. the The receding hairline helps. <laughs> I just was watching him on, uh, I think it was Seth Meyers. It was Woody Harrelson was on Seth Meyers. And going into Solo, I was concerned that, like, I wouldn't be able to separate Woody Harrelson from, because I watched The Hunger Games. I watched Cheers. I mean, I like Woody. He's a crazy vegan like myself. Like, I'm a fan. There's no leather in his costume. Exactly. And that was by his request. And I really respect that, especially as a cosplayer who's always trying to work around leather. Maybe I should do Beckett. But I was I was always worried, like, going into Star Wars that I wouldn't be able to separate Woody Harrelson from Beckett. Like, I would be seeing Woody. But he did such a good job as that character that as I'm watching him just talking about, like, marijuana and veganism on Seth Meyers, I'm seeing Beckett. Yeah. He doesn't even have the hair anymore. He's bald and stuff. But, like, Beckett has replaced Woody in my mind. I don't know if that's really a compliment for an actor, but it's what happened. Yeah, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> he uh he he definitely stole the show in that movie. Speaking of stealing things, uh we're here to talk about a story where some people stole a tie fighter. And uh this is a Star Wars television show podcast where we only talk about Star Wars television shows. <laughs> of course. Them's the rules. Those are the rules. <laughs> so we watched episode three, which I'm blanking on the name of, of Star Wars Rebels season one. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. The episode starts off with Ezra and Zeb getting into some shenanigans. And Hera and Kanan are like, look, you guys got to knock this off. Like, you can't be tearing the ship apart, running around with your rough horse play. And Hera tells them, you have to go and do this shopping list and get you know, don't forget the Yogan fruit. Get the hold list, but don't forget the the Yogan. And as soon as they leave... It was the Melu run, wasn't it? Me- oh, Melu run? Yes. I'm a bad fan, see? You're forgiven this it, time. What's a Yogan fruit, then? What the fuck is that? The Yogan is the blue thing that Ezra stole in Spark of Rebellion. Oh, okay. So, get a, get a Melu run fruit. And as soon as they leave, Kanan is like, but Hera, like... They're never going to find a Meluron fruit. They're not on Lothal. And she's like, I guess it's going to take him a while. And like gives a mischievous wink and grin. And Kanan is like, oh, damn, I love you. You're so devious. <laughs> Ezra and Zeb get to get to town. And Ezra is giving Zeb a hard time for having saved his life in the previous episode. And is teasing him a whole lot. And then they find... You know, a bunch of stuff on the list, and as they're going to leave after giving up on never being able to find a Melu run, they see some Imperials have some. One thing leads to another, they get caught, Ezra runs, Zeb is like, oh, I'll hold him off, Zeb steals a TIE Fighter, Ezra's running from roof to roof, Zeb flies by on the TIE Fighter, 
Ezra gets in it after promising that they're finally even and he's not going to hold it over Zeb anymore. And just shenanigans ensue. It is a very slapstick, you know, heavy episode. And um, they call Hera and Kanan and are like, what do we do with this TIE fighter? And they're like, why did you do this? We asked you to get some shopping supplies. Why did you steal a TIE fighter? And uh, the episode ends with them promising that they stashed the TIE and blew it up. And um, I think they give Hera the fruit. They, they managed do. They managed to get one Meluron. <laughs> and um, we see that Sabine, while they were gone, painted their, their bunk with a silly picture of them. Which I love. I, I that is that is probably one of my favorite moments of the episode. It is uh, top notch. So yeah, that's basically the whole episode. That's that's basically yeah, it, it. What do you think, Ryan? Do you like this one? I love this one, and I have to say, the only reason I remembered what fruit they stole was because the other day at one of our Batuan excursions. My girlfriend and I had the opportunity to try Meluron juice in the Batu marketplace. And let me tell you, I was a fan. It oh, was yeah? it was a little sour. It was mostly sweet. It was actually while you were recapping the episode, I brought up the uh the little menu description on what Meluron juice consists of. So if you want to try to make it at home, Meluron juice would be uh pineapple agua fresca. Lemonade with blueberry, white cranberry juice, lemon juice, and desert pear punch. That needs some tequila or or yes, vodka or something. Does oh man, tequila would be phenomenal in that because the pineapple really comes through. Yeah, and the cranberry juice gives it like a little bite. But I wonder if you sub tequila for the cranberry juice, even would it? That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that is definitely another <laughs> podcast. We're here to talk about Star, Star Wars. Wars TV and only Star Wars TV. Of course, only Star Wars TV. No, I was um it's funny because when this episode first aired, I had a I kind of felt like it went nowhere, um which as we know by the end of the season, it definitely does not go nowhere. Yup. Uh, they were planting some big seeds. That TIE fighter was like a Chekhov's gun. But at the time, I wasn't super crazy about this. And it drives a lot of my starship-focused nerd friends nuts as to how many people can fit in a TIE fighter. But I'll bend the rules for silliness. They, uh, When this episode aired, I remember Pablo posting pictures inside like the models of hmm. TIE fighters. And you can fit a ton of people in a TIE fighter. Which interesting. I did not know. And I think a lot of the fans that questioned it grew up with the Legos and with the action figures where you can get one one person inside the cockpit and that's it. And Pablo was like, no, no, like more, more can fit in there. They weren't just like bending space time. It's not a TARDIS. That's literally how big TIE fighter <laughs> cockpits are. That makes sense. I mean, Ezra's not a big guy either. So, I mean, he's 14 at this point. So, yeah, Ezra is pretty scrawny. Zeb, I mean, is pretty big, but 
you can you can move around a TIE fighter cockpit. It, it's not as cramped sure. as we all picture it is having played with the micro machines. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, and I think that is what it is. I think we all grew up with the Star Wars toys. And, but yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed this episode. It showed maybe it was a little bit of the petty cruelty of the Empire, but it showed that they're, you know, tightening their grip on Lothal, which is ultimately the main story of the whole series. They definitely they definitely come across as dicks to the, the farmers oh, yeah. and stuff. I loved seeing the the Kenner troop transports. Yes. Those, is this the first time we see those? I believe so. They might have been in the background of certain episodes, but they were really highlighted here. Yeah. Uh, they're a really cool design, and it just shows how much the Rebels team loves all of Star Wars by like making these toys, which were never, ever in anything canon now. That's really cool. I love yeah. the line, you did all this for a fruit? <laughs> That's a great line. That's a good moment. That exasperated stormtrooper is just exhausted and doesn't understand why this is happening. And isn't isn't the Imperial officer who's kind of the, you know, mustache twirler of the week in this episode, isn't that the guy who will later be framed as Fulcrum by Callus? I'm not sure if it's the same guy, but this dude does come back, and I believe this pilot comes back that Zeb, like, tosses out. Yes, yes. It's it's Baron Rudor is the pilot, right? He comes yeah. back in the Empire Day episode at the parade. And they, they put him in the X-Wing Miniatures game. Which oh, is, interesting. Which is definitely like a deep cut. He is played by, I cannot remember the name of the actor, or the character for that matter, but he. I found this while researching the episode, but apparently didn't take good enough notes. Um Whoever it was, he plays a Royal Navy officer in the Pirates of the Caribbean series who keeps getting, like, duped and foiled by Jack Sparrow. So, sounds like the poor guy got typecast. <laughs> but he he does well. It's very satisfying to watch him mouth off to Zeb and act all cocky and then just get knocked on his ass. Physically and metaphorically. I love uh, all of the the dialogue when they call Kanan and Hera to be like, we stole, we stole a police car. (laughs) That is basically what it is. And it's, it's, it's like we were saying in the last one with the scene with Hera in the cockpit with Ezra, it's definitely like a defining moment where it establishes that these are essentially their parents, even though Zed was 39. And it's, yeah, not to reduce Hera by she's just the mom, but it's yet another side of her as like a dynamic, strong maternal character. Also, I, I think I think Zeb is the whiskey uncle. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's yeah. really not the. I, I don't I, like. I know some fans like loop Zeb in with Sabine and Ezra as like one of the kids. And while Zeb is occasionally very immature, I, I think he fills the role of gay whiskey uncle, which is a thing in families. Yeah. You have a gay whiskey uncle, whether you realize it or not. And uh, like he can flip back and forth between a role model figure and a bringer of chaos. And this episode, he is a bringer of chaos. Most definitely. And yeah, it's just really great establishing again, like Kanan and Hera as 
mom and dad, and that's not reducing either of their statuses. Uh, it's just they both kind of have taken these wayward teens, these youths under their wings, and are trying to stop them from blowing up a planet. Absolutely. Or stealing a cop car. Yeah, it's really it's really cool how easily you can translate the scenarios in this show to real life things because it is all kind of grounded in like a family dynamic. Maybe stealing a cop car isn't the typical interaction you would have with parents, but like who hasn't, you know, called any sort of role model figure in their life and been like, hey, I screwed up. You're about to get mad. Here's why. And then you just brace yourself for the yelling. Like that scene is one of the most relatable in any Star Wars story. Without a doubt. What else? What else is great about this episode? I, I feel like there's some some solid moments throughout. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward adventure. It's silly. It's Oh, it introduces Mr. Sumar, who will come back briefly later. Oh, is he in the factory? He is. He oh, does not make it out of the factory, but he does he is in there. Yeah. Yet another good person with Ezra's best interests at heart to be destroyed. Yep. I mean, that's that's the nature of the story, though. Overall, just a very funny episode. Uh, yeah. It, it feels like it's not... Uh, it feels kind of like a one-off, like a, uh, a filler episode, but it is definitely not. It is a Chekhov's TIE fighter, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't really think Rebels had filler episodes. Uh, don't ask me about other Star Wars television series that have come after, much as I think Resistance is fun, but Rebels really didn't have any episodes that went nowhere. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Do we want to talk about what didn't work or what we wish could have been better? I don't really have anything for that. Um, like I said, at the, at the time, I thought it was maybe going nowhere, but... Clearly, I was wrong about that. And I don't know how the episode could have given you, like, a better, like, wink. Like, hold on. You'll see this again without cheapening the surprise at the end of the season. Yeah. I I think uh, a repeat issue we're going to have with Rebels is the, the Stormtroopers, the, like, low-rank Imperials are just so laughably inept. Overall, like we've said before, I'm fine with it. I get what they're doing. They're doing kind of a Hogan's Heroes riff on how on how incompetent these guys are. Uh, it's 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 being played for laughs, but I feel like I got to mention it because they are they are pretty awful shots in this episode. No, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, this was this was the first episode where that really bugged me. Looking back, like Ezra is like standing still, and these guys are. I mean, I guess they're on moving vehicles and stuff, but still, it's like, man, y'all, y'all, Obi-Wan said you guys were precise. Where's that? I Uh, have opinions about that quote. Is it because Obi-Wan remembers them as clones? No, I've heard that one, and I always dismiss that one because it's been 19 years and he's been looking at sand. He, He doesn't remember much very clearly. My thing is, he never said that the stormtroopers... He says, too accurate for sand people, all the Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. But the sand people are really accurate. So I don't think he's talking about accuracy. I think he's saying that only stormtroopers would know where to shoot the sand crawler to stop it in its tracks. They're precise. They're not accurate. 
Hmm. Yeah. That works. Because sand people can hit a pod racer going 500 miles an hour. Which is incredible with a bolt thrower. Yeah. They're, uh, they're accurate, but stormtroopers, they know what to shoot. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. This is this is a, a podcast where we only discuss Star Wars television, though. <laughs> we are bad at we are bad at our mission. Universe. We are terrible at our mission, but they'll get over it. So storm, stormtroopers are a little are a little rough to swallow here. I yeah. I think this episode needed more Hondo Onaka. That's just yeah. a problem I have with everything. Every Star Wars <laughs> product needs more Hondo. <laughs> e- Yes, that's very true. Even even mm-hmm. episodes of Rebels and Clone Wars, which star Hondo, could use more Hondo. What about Pirate's Price? Still needs more Hondo. I need more Hondo. There are other characters you... that speak in Pirate's Price. Uh, <laughs> true, but they speak like Hondo if it's, you get the audiobook. It's, so that's... Yes, it is great on audiobook. It's very good. I When you finally do go to Galaxy's Edge, at the moment when you see Hondo with your eyes, I need you to break character for about three seconds and just get out your data pad and send me a facial scan, a selfie, please. I need to see your tears when you see the Buikwe himself in the flesh. I'm pretty sure you'll be with me, Ryan. Oh, We're going to make that that's happen. That's true. Yeah. All right. Let's make that happen. If you go to Batu West, we will be there. And if you go to Batu East, we will try to fly across the country. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is a fun episode. Not every episode needs to bring about huge revelations in canon. Not every episode needs to be a huge emotional turning point for our characters. Sometimes it can just be a a fun space romp where we steal a cop car. Yeah. Let a story be a story. Also, Chopper at the start of the episode, I think he was being genuine with Ezra and got his feelings hurt. And that's why he freaked out. I forgot about that. I think you're right. Because Chopper has a heart. Chopper is like trying to be friendly. And Ezra's like, oh, you're so annoying. You stupid bucket of bolts. And uh, then Chopper, like, loses it and, like, slaps uh, Ezra and, like, electrocutes him and, like, tricks Ezra into jumping on the bed and crushing his head. Which I then, like that read. Which then starts the whole chain of events in the episode. But I, I genuinely think that Chopper got his feelings hurt there, and it's real sweet. Even though, I could see that. Even though he's a murder droid. Even though he's a murder droid. I could see that. Poor Chopper. Yeah, Chopper just wants to be loved. And but he's still the only one of them to make it into a movie, so, like, he's not that bad at all. That's true. He is a movie star. Star Rogue One. <laughs> Very true. All right, well, I think that's going to about cover it. We we have some some words to say now that we're like a real podcast and this is our third episode. We are on Twitter at Force Friends Pod. You can give us money on Kofi at uh, Force Friends Rewatch. Um, if you like the show and you want to give us a give us a tip, feel free to do that. Um, if you want to give it in 
$3 increments, you know, because Star Wars comes out in threes. I think that'd be great. <laughs> so you can give us $3 or $6 or $9. That'd be excellent. We would definitely appreciate it. We want to thank, for sure. we want to thank KV Hastings on Instagram for our beautiful podcast art. And we want to, yes. we want to thank Bristol Podworks for our intro. We very much appreciate all y'all. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. Definitely, definitely tell a friend if you're enjoying this. If you want to hear us rant about Rebels, we'd uh, we'd love it if you shared us on your social media of choice. And if you want to go even more out of your day, leave us a review. Reviews go a long way and help other people find us. Yes, absolutely. All right, Ryan, what's uh, what's our sign off? Shoot, I'm blanking. We are what they grow beyond. We are what they grow beyond. That's that that's that's grim. But yeah, that's what Yoda said. Yoda was like, oh, I know teachers were what they grow beyond. Like this podcast, like our listeners are going to grow beyond us, but they're going to return uh, to hear us again later. Hopefully that's fair. Please come then back. They never really grew beyond. Please yeah. come back. Please come back. Don't leave us behind. We're growing too. we w- Ray, bring us bring us on the Falcon with you. We're going to help. Yes. I, yes. Mean, I mean, even if I, you leave me here, I'm going to help. But. Bring me and I'll help. I'll help more. Yes. Come listen to us again. That's what I'm saying. Please. All right. Let's end it there. We can just keep begging.